0: Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo, and today I'm so happy to share a recent Firebird Book Award-winning author with you. She is Diane Wald, and her winning book is titled My Famous Brain. Diane holds an MFA from the University of Massachusetts, Amherst. She has published over 250 poems in literary magazines since 1966. She has taught at Boston University, the Art Institute of Boston, and Northeastern University. There's just so much more to know. Welcome to the network, Diane.
1: Thank you, Pat. I'm very happy to be here. I'm
0: happy that you're here, too. Congratulations on the book win. That was exciting.
1: It's very exciting. I didn't know much about the Firebird Book Awards before this year, and I was thrilled. And I, also, I just love the, the charitable component that you have. I think that's wonderful.
0: Oh, thank you. Thank you. I've been doing the pillowcase project for probably, well, it was 2010, so 12 years now. And we started working with Soldiers Angels and I helped them develop a pillowcase project on their own. And it, it has just blossomed and morphed. And I thought, why not tie it to the book awards? This way the authors can get a tax deduction and yet they could be doing something charitable and I can be doing something. It's just kind of a win, win, win for everybody. Yes, yeah, great! Very unusual, fantastic. Good, good. I'm, I'm happy that you found us. You know, I was looking at your website, and I just love the picture on your site of your newly opened box of books on your stairs <laughs> with that inquisitive cat checking it out.
1: <laughs> right. Well, those are the two cats we have now. Uh, I only have two. I, at one point, I had six, but you know. Um, We're down to two now, and they are into everything, as as you probably know.
0: They're very curious kitties. They surely are. I have, don't laugh, I have 13. Oh, good for you. Oh, my gosh. They found me. I never, I didn't, (laughs) I did not seek these these guys out, but I tell you what, I can't imagine life without them. So when I saw that picture, I just knew exactly what was going on. (laughs) (laughs) Right. All righty. Well, let's dig into your book, My Famous Brain. This is a first-person narrative by a deceased man. That's pretty interesting. How was that to write?
1: It was It was fun, and it was challenging. Um, it was based on someone that I, I knew a long, long time ago. I mean, this book has been kicking around in my head and in my office for 20 years at least. And um, this was a person I met a long time ago who actually had these talents. You know, he could memorize books. He had a very high IQ. um, And he was dealing with a challenging physical problem. So I didn't know him very well, and I didn't know him very long, but it kind of stuck in my head as this amazing place that you could build a whole universe of, of things for your character. And so I took him out again and decided that first person was the way to go with it because it would make it very personal.
0: And how about writing from a male perspective? Did that get in the way at all or was, was it, that? It
1: didn't. I, I don't know why. You know, people keep asking me that and, and I guess it's strange, but it didn't seem strange to me. I mean, there wasn't, um, it was fun. It was fun mm-hmm. to get into that other persona and, and kind of use what I know of the male person persona uh, and, and turn it around and speak as that Mm -hmm. as that male Mm -hmm.
0: um I don't know (laughs) no I I ask that just as a question because I don't think I would be I don't think I would personally have a difficult time doing that either you know I think it's because the character you
1: know it's a very character driven novel and I think because the character was so real to me Mm -hmm. I just got into his head yeah and and spoke that way
0: well, you have you would have had to have some kind of connection or reason to do this. That this person stayed with you for all of these years, and that that book sat there, you know, in one form or another for over twenty years. You could have easily let that go at any point in time and started something else. So this clearly was something you had to do.
1: Yes, yeah, absolutely. Um, there was someone else who wrote about my book. Used the phrase "supernatural soulmates," and I just thought that was. That was perfect. you know it's, it's, it's about a person who connects from, from after his death, still connects to the people that he that meant the most to him in his life and that formed his life story.
0: And you know that just that just absolutely fascinates me. Oh, me too. I have never it's, thought about that. This is going to stay with me. I have to think about this afterward through with this conversation. Oh, good. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> well, you know, my, the, the novel I did before this called Gillyflower
1: was a little bit of the same, uh, focus because there were connections. There were people connected in that book who never would have met in real life other than having this supernatural connection. And I don't mean to make the book sound like the X-Files. It's not like that at all, but, um uh, you know, there. I, I believe that there are things that go on um, between people that, if you latch onto them, you can really, you can really learn more than you ordinarily would in your life, and and I find that very
0: important. Yeah, and I think awareness and being open has a lot to do with it as well. Yes. Well, why don't you give us a peek into the book so our listeners have an idea of what the book is about.
1: Well, um, as as you've already said, it's, it's written in the first person by a person named Jack McCloud, who is a psychology professor and a uh, clinical psychologist. He's in his 40s um, and he discovers that he has a brain tumor that's not going to kill him right away, but it's, it's going to uh, impair his ability to live fully. And so he starts trying to explore relationships i think that he might not otherwise have have gone after and since he's already deceased when this happens i think maybe the most unusual thing about the book is that the timeline is very flexible it's not a book where this happens and then that happens and then that happens it's it's uh, he skips around a lot and he tells you that at the beginning of the book you have to kind of Sign on with Jack, you know, and say I'm, I'm going along for the ride, and I'm going to um, I'm going to explore with you these various parts of your life that might pop up at times that are not exactly sequential. So um, that part of it is a, is a little bit challenging, but I, I felt that you know if you were deceased, looking back on your life, you're not necessarily going to start at the moment of conception and travel through, you know, your high school years and all the way to your death. I mean, it's going to be a little bit of uh, jumping around from the most important people to the most important things that happened to you. Mm-hmm.
0: Much like a conversation would take place. You know, if a deceased person were having a conversation, that's how I viewed it. And I think if it had been very linear, it would have lost some of the charm.
1: I I think so too and I love the idea of the conversation. I mean I hope that he's having a conversation with the reader. Mm-hmm. You know that it's that personal.
0: That's how it came across to me. In fact as I was reading it, it it almost at times I forgot what this was about. It was almost like I was reading his memoir.
1: Yeah, a lot of people say it reads like a memoir. It is it's a fictional memoir I guess mm-hmm. if that's if that's possible. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's also um it's also a book for people who like books because he's so bookish, you know, he's a professor, he he's inter he memorizes books, he gets interested in uh there's a whole business about his relationship with a character named Eliza and how they meet through poetry books that they that they both like in his uh, classes. And then he goes on to explore this relationship with Edith Wharton's novel, The Age of Innocence, which I think many people now know as a movie, but it's, it's, the book is fantastic. And if, if you've seen the movie and not read the book, you should go out and get it. <laughs> and he, and you know, that's all, and his memorization of this Edith Wharton novel uh, is, is part of his. Journey because that too goes in and out. You know, he, he, sometimes he can remember all of it, sometimes he can't, and it reflects the, the sort of decay of a civilization just as his life is kind of waning. Mm-hmm. So it's a very complicated thing, but I think it's, I think people who like books will also like Jack.
0: Mm-hmm. How did you know when you were done with this story?
1: Well, I, I realized that he wasn't going to live a long life. And I I figured that I had to wrap it up in a normal kind of way. You know, the whole book is about him being a genius who never became famous. That's why it's ironically called My Famous Brain. So um, although I, I don't think it's a sad book, it is about a person who's deceased and how and how that happened to him, how his life ended. You know, the the epigraph for the book is from Kenneth Patchen, and it's very, I think it's just the most wonderful line, and it goes, there are so many little dyings that it doesn't matter which of them is death. Mm -hmm. And I think everybody can relate to that. You know, there are so many times in your life when something absolutely critical happens, and you think, oh, my God, this is the end. But it's not the end. You know, it goes on. Mm -hmm. Things go on again. So uh, it's just it's about perspective too, you know. Looking back and thinking, which of these things were important to me and made me grow, you know, as a character.
0: Well, I also think that even though the book ends, it doesn't really end in your mind. I mean, it's something that you think back on. It's not like a book that you read and then put back on the shelf and go do something else. It kind of sticks with you or haunts you in kind of a good way. And I imagine as you were wrapping up the writing and publishing of it you probably missed him
1: i do you know but the, but at the end of the book uh it it ends not with jack but with an epilogue with eliza and she's still alive mm-hmm. and so uh, she's thinking about you know it, it, it it's a book with a sad ending and a happy mm-hmm. ending i think mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: Is there a sequel to it, or are you done with it? No. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "No, <laughs> no, I don't think i I don't think so. <laughs> I, I love the energy I you said that with. <laughs> <laughs> it was exhausting.
1: I don't think I could do that again. <laughs> In fact, I think all writers, all writers, when they finish something they really are proud of, they, they think, "Oh my oh. God, is that it? Is that all I've got? you know. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny.
0: Well, what is next? Are you working on anything else now?
1: Oh, I am. I'm working on something completely different, a really crazy thing. You know, I think the, the, the um My Famous Brain and another poetry book came out during the pandemic, and that kind of set me back on my heels, as it did with everybody. And I got, I don't know, I just couldn't write for a long time. But But in the past six months, maybe, Um, I started on another book that's in a whole other direction. It's about a woman who has a little bit of an extrasensory talent. She can tell when things are going to happen to her by the temperature of objects that she picks up. So there's that part of it. The other part of it is that she has done something absolutely awful. At the beginning of the book, she starts out by saying her name and that she's done something terrible uh it's not it's not a murder mystery or anything like that, but she's done something that is morally upsetting to her, and so she has to deal with that uh through the book it's It's going to be a short book, I think a novella, not as long mm-hmm. as my famous brain but um it's a it's kind of a relief because it's a little bit funny also.
0: <laughs> you just need a breather. <laughs> yeah (laughs) well I love that you can switch and and I think for your readers too for them to realize the versatility of who you are
1: well nobody wants to get in a rut I guess
0: (laughs) this is is true this is true so what is the feedback what kind of feedback have you gotten from uh, my famous brain
1: oh really really great feedback I mean I'm amazed I think it's it's a fairly odd book. I know that, you know, <laughs> and, but I've really gotten very good reviews. And, and almost everybody I've, I've given it to or who has bought it and then told me about it has something interesting to say. And I, I, I think the feedback is is better than, you know, I liked it or I didn't like it. It's it's kind of the way you've been talking about it. People are giving interesting insights to me, and that and that's very rewarding.
0: Yes, I would imagine that would be. I mean, first of all, I think this is a book that you can really feel, so it does elicit a response, and I'm, I'm happy that people are sharing that with you so that you can hear that and kind of be rewarded with that.
1: Yeah, and you know, um, the, the awards that I won with your organization, it, it was also rewarding because you have these, Interesting categories, and, I, and when I looked at all the categories, I thought I didn't really know where this book fit in. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the word visionary, which seems to be the place it belongs, you know, mm-hmm. to me. Yes. Um, and so that that was a thrill that there was a there was a place for this book that that you know isn't going to sit on the shelf next to Stephen King or <laughs> or somebody else like that. It's 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 a, it's an oddball book, and and I know that. <laughs>
0: Well, that's what makes it special. That's what makes it very, very special. So, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, I appreciate that. Well, we're going to begin to wrap up, and I just want to make sure we're not missing anything that you wanted to highlight today. Gee, yeah, I don't think so. We really covered a lot. All right. Hmm. Well, let's head into your contact information then. Maybe share places yeah. where folks can find out more about you and where they can purchase the book.
1: Okay, um, they can go to www.myfamousbrain.com. They can buy it on bookshop.org or Amazon or any of the regular places or in bookstores. Um, and um, the other book that I mentioned, Gillyflower, is still out and around, and that's at uh, www.gillyflowernovel.com. Um, so if you like one or the other of them, you might want to look at the next
0: one. <laughs> When do you think your next one's coming out? Oh God, I don't know. <laughs> I
1: haven't even submitted it anywhere yet. Okay. I'm, I'm still, I'm still tweaking it obsessively, you
0: know. <laughs> no, I get that. I get that. You need. That's how you come up with a, with an excellent product. Is all that tweaking and time and love that goes into it. So, keep tweaking, and we'll just hang in there. <laughs> and you keep us, you keep us posted as to when that comes out. We're talking with Diane Wald. The title of her book is My Famous Brain, and the website is the same as the book title, myfamousbrain.com. Diane, thank you for finding us. I'm so happy to have had the honor and the privilege to read your book and now to have this conversation with you. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you for all your wonderful efforts for all of us writers.